This is a hypothetically great podcast. This is Tech News for MBAs. I'm Professor Paul Canetti. It is Friday, December 3rd, 2021. Oh, the weather outside is Omicron. I hope everyone had a good Thanksgiving and welcome to the last month of the year, also known as the 24th month of 2020. You know, each week I scour the headlines trying to figure out what we should talk about on the show. And most of the time I try to focus on mainstream news companies that you are likely to have heard of, maybe thinking about them in new and interesting ways. But I also want to make sure that we mix in some underground kind of themes here that might not be so obvious or that you might actually not see on the homepage of a typical mainstream news site or even mainstream tech news site. And this week, we're definitely going to be talking about one of these sorts of projects. We're going to be talking all about Constitution DAO, the crypto community's attempt to buy a physical copy of the U.S. Constitution. Before we get into that, just a quick reminder that I recently launched a new free newsletter called Hypothetically Great. You can subscribe at hypotheticallygreat.com. I'm trying to write there at least once a week. So check that out and tell your friends. Two quick mainstream tech headlines that are actually quite related before we get into Constitution Dow. Twitter founder and former CEO Jack Dorsey has resigned. We talked about Twitter's new subscription product, Twitter Blue, a couple of episodes ago. And um, this is interesting news for sure. I think it's a big shift. At the same time, uh, Twitter has had now five CEOs. The new CEO, as of this week, is former CTO Parag Agarwal. And, um, you know, what we're seeing here, I think, is a bit of an exodus of these founder-led startups, uh, if you can still call Twitter a startup, but tech companies out of Silicon Valley where the founder is stepping away from the business. Other examples would be Jeff Bezos stepping away from Amazon. The other thing, of course, is that Jack Dorsey has been the CEO of two companies for a long time now. He's also the CEO of the publicly traded company called Square, which actually brings us to our next headline. Jack Dorsey's other company, Square, has renamed itself to Block. Facebook is to metaverse as Square is to blockchain. Facebook renamed to Meta, Square now renamed to Block. Only two days after the news broke about Jack Dorsey leaving Twitter, this rebrand was announced. It's not a huge surprise in the sense that Jack Dorsey has been very public about his enthusiasm for all things blockchain, 
crypto, Web3, uh, very bullish on Bitcoin. But of course, this is a major signal that the future of Square's business, meaning Block's business, uh, has to do with the blockchain. And again, like Facebook, you had what started as a single product and its name being synonymous with the corporation. But now the corporation called Block actually has lots of different products. They have all of the Square-related products. They have their cash app. They acquired Jay-Z's music service called Tidal. And I'm sure they've got more things in the works. So Block is now the parent company. Square still exists as a brand and line of products under that. So if you were wondering, what is Jack Dorsey going to do with all this free time now that he's stepping down as CEO of Twitter? Well, it looks like he's doubling down on his other company, Block. And now to our main headline of the week, Constitution Dow, an anonymous group of crypto investors attempts to buy a physical copy of the U.S. Constitution. Now, admittedly, this headline itself happened a couple of weeks ago, but the story has continued and really culminated with some events earlier this week. And so I'll go through the whole thing. And thematically, this is such an interesting case study into Web3 and the incentive structures that are both explicit and implicit. So let's go back to the beginning. There are 11 copies of the Constitution as in original physical copies from the 1700s that exist in the world. And most of them are in museums, you can imagine, um, but a couple are privately owned. And one of those was going to be put up for auction at Sotheby's. The owner decided that the proceeds from that sale would go towards charity. And so open season, who wants a copy of the Constitution? And I remember even seeing a couple of like joke tweets there was a sort of sentiment within crypto Twitter of maybe we should all get together and buy the Constitution. And there is a mechanism to sort of get a group of strangers together in the world of crypto called a DAO, a decentralized autonomous organization. And the idea here is that the group doesn't have leadership. It doesn't have a center but instead, a bunch of strangers who can remain anonymous if they wish um, can collaborate and coordinate for really any sort of purpose. And so why not this? So instead of just putting up, you know, a GoFundMe page or something, uh, the idea here was to create a DAO and the members of the DAO would be able to vote on what to do with the Constitution. Um, how to store it or uh, how to display it or anything. So instead of there being sort of a single party responsible for those sorts of decisions, the idea is that you could donate money and in return get what are called governance tokens. And so let's just say, to make the math easy, that there are uh, 100,000 tokens in total and each token uh, is... A dollar. So basically, if you donate a dollar, you get one token. So if you were to donate ten thousand dollars, 
you get 10,000 tokens, which means you would own 10% of the total, which means you would have 10% of the voting rights and so on and so forth. So I personally found out about this project and thought it was pretty cool. And I, I was going to say invested, but it's the wrong term. I donated. I didn't think that I was going to get this money back. That wasn't the point. I donated $200 worth of Ether. And Ether is the cryptocurrency associated with the Ethereum network, the Ethereum blockchain. Uh, its native currency is Ether. So I put in $200 worth of Ether and I thought, cool, I'm now part of this. I'm not going to have a big voting share, I'm sure. But, you know, I get to be part of this movement to buy the Constitution. And Constitution Dow had a website where they were sort of just, you know, tallying how much money was coming in. A few thousand dollars, then a few hundreds of thousands of dollars, then they crossed a million dollars. All of a sudden, things were getting like really crazy and word started to spread. Now it was like, $10 $10 million, $15 million. The New York Times did a piece on it. Kevin Ruse uh, wrote about Constitution Dow. That was like as close to the mainstream as, as this came. And all of a sudden, they were over $30 million, $40 million. Then they stopped posting the amount because they didn't want to sort of give away their hand as to how much money they had to actually bid at the auction. So sure enough, the Sotheby's auction came about and a representative from Constitution Dow went to try to win the auction. In the end, they had raised $47 million. And I'm talking in a matter of days, like less than a week. But we lost the auction. The winner who took home the U.S. Constitution was a villain in the eyes of this exact community. Ken Griffin, the CEO of a hedge fund called Citadel, won the auction. And this is not just some random hedge fund guy, but instead, you have to understand the context here. Citadel is the main hedge fund that people on Reddit were trying to target with the whole GameStop fiasco, Wall Street bets, and this community again, of anonymous or pseudonymous people coming together to drive up the price of the GameStop stock. And the impetus there was basically to screw over the hedge funds that were shorting the stock. The company's doing badly. And by shorting a stock, what these funds were doing were basically placing a bet that the stock was actually going to go down. So then you had this community of people that said, no, We want to undermine that effort by driving the price up. And the way you do that is by buying the stock, right? So demand goes up and therefore the price goes up and the people that shorted the stock would actually lose money as a result. Citadel was the main hedge fund that was the target of that campaign. Now, it's not a guarantee that the people in Constitution Dow are the same people in Wall Street Bets, but there's definitely a similar ethos of a group of people getting together on the internet and coordinating some sort of big effort involving money, involving finances in the real world. And so I don't think it's an accident that he entered the auction. And so there's this whole sort of proxy war happening between traditional financial funds and these large groups of strangers that are banding together online. And in this case, uh, we lost the battle, but not the war. 
within the crypto community, aka Web3, which I just like as a term so much more than crypto, uh, the Web3 community, Constitution DAO really became a symbol of something. So yeah, we lost the auction, but the idea is that you could spontaneously get a bunch of people to put real money on the line with absolutely no intention of making a return on that money. So a lot of crypto projects, it's all about uh, placing a bet that you hope will appreciate in value. You buy a particular coin and you hope it'll go up. This was something totally different. These were donations. There was no expectation of getting the money back or of any appreciation of value. Anyway, it's pretty heartening to know that a group of strangers could band together and raise an insane amount of money in a very short amount of time uh, for a specific purpose. So that was pretty much the end of the story, or at least we thought it was. The founders of Constitution DAO, so even though they didn't have any special say uh, because it's a DAO that is egalitarian in nature, somebody did have to start this and like set up the website and do the whole thing. They decided that they were going to issue refunds to everyone, which they had advertised from the beginning. If we lose the auction, we'll refund you. And so a lot of people started to get their refunds back. And I could have gone and gotten my $200 worth of Ether refunded to me. In all honesty, I was busy and just hadn't gotten around to it yet. So I sort of forgot about it for a few days. But I did see people posting online that they were having trouble with their refunds because the transaction fees are so high on the Ethereum network. They're called gas fees. And the gas fees were so high that it actually didn't make sense to even do the refund. So for instance, for me to get a $200 refund, if the gas fees were $300, well, obviously I'm not going to do that. It's a net loss. And a lot of people were facing that, especially let's say you donated, you know, $5 worth, $10 worth. The gas fees were probably over $100. So it clearly didn't make sense to get a refund. Then earlier this week, I saw a random tweet that the token, that governance token I talked about, which was called people. So each token uh, in Web3 has a name and people is the token of Constitution DAO. And like any token in the world of Web3, this token can be bought and sold on open exchanges, which hadn't even occurred to me. I'd never even looked at the value of this token since it wasn't intended to be a financial instrument. It just hadn't even occurred to me to look to see what the price was or is that price going up? Is that price going down? But I saw someone post that the price had increased over 20x. So I quickly opened my go-to crypto price website slash app, which is called CoinGecko. And sure enough, here was this people coin that I didn't even like realize uh, I owned that had shot up in value. I quickly did the calculation to find that my 50,000 people tokens that I had been awarded in return for my $200 donation were now worth 4,500 US dollars. I decided to cash out. So what did I do? I swapped, which is another word for traded, or you can think of it more like selling those tokens for a different token. And the token that I swapped to is called USDC, which is a stable coin, meaning that the value of a USDC token is always the equivalent of one US dollar. So I swapped my 50,000 people tokens for approximately 4,500 USDC tokens. 
And then what I did was I sent those USDC tokens from my main crypto wallet to my Coinbase account. And then I was able to convert the USDC into USD, just into regular fiat US dollars. And then I was able to transfer that from Coinbase to my Chase account. I did this all in front of my wife, Jess, to show her exactly how it worked. And here we were now uh, minus, you know, maybe $100 total gas fees. So around $4,400 into our checking account at Chase that had just appeared out of thin air. Of course, I went back and kept checking throughout the night about an hour after I did that. The equivalent value, if I had kept those 50,000 people tokens in play, would have been $6,500. So I could have made another $2,000 if I'd held on a little longer. But then soon the price started to drop. And so I think we got out at a reasonable time. That being said, the people token itself could catch fire in the future. A year from now, the value of people could suddenly shoot up again. Who knows? And so when the price dropped, I actually bought back in a little bit of people so that uh, just for a rainy day, in case the price ever pops, maybe I'll make something again. So what did drive the price of people up in the first place? Well, nobody really knows, but like any stock price or token price, coin price in the world of Web3, it's based on supply and demand. So I think a couple of things were happening as people were issuing their refunds. And a lot of people were really mad, by the way, that they'd gotten the refund, which was just one for one with their original donation amount. They wish they'd held on to their people tokens. But again, nobody thought that this was a possibility. So every time somebody got refunded, those tokens actually were removed from the supply. So the supply was going down. And for whatever reason, people were buying people tokens. And the only real way to explain this is that it became a meme coin, similar to what we've seen with Dogecoin or Shiba Inu or a million other what are lovingly called shit coins. People became like a hot shit coin for a minute and people were buying into it. Uh, people, people were buying people and driving the price up because demand was outpacing supply. As far as understanding incentive structures in Web3, it really is a fascinating case to look at because I was rewarded handsomely for donating my money to a cause. And no single person or single entity decided to do that. It wasn't like somebody said, you know what, we should really thank all of the people that contributed here by giving them 20 or 30 times the amount that they donated. There's no single source of this decision. There's no single reason why it happened. Somehow, collectively, this hive mind made this happen. And to me, it's one of the most exciting things about participating in Web3 is that there's just all sorts of wildcard experiences to be had. Now, don't get me wrong. You can lose a lot of money uh, with this stuff. You can make money like I did by no credit to me uh, there, total chance. But you will see other projects where it's a bit more intentional. I wrote about this on Hypothetically Great earlier this week, actually, a project called ENS, 
the Ethereum name service, um, they decided to purposefully reward their early users with ENS tokens, where they sent out free tokens to anyone that had used the service in the past. ENS is like GoDaddy for Web3. So you can register a domain name like paulkinetti.eth. So anyone that had registered a domain name in the past with them, they gave this token to. And again, for whatever reason, there's a ton of demand for that token once it hit the market and the price skyrocketed there as well. Because everything in Web3 is tradable, there is a real-time 24-7, 365 days a year stock exchange happening here where anybody can buy and sell anything from anyone else at any time. The nature of supply and demand just makes strange things happen. I don't pretend to understand the mechanics of that or the implications of that. All I know is that it's interesting and it's something that we should keep talking about. And we will here on the show. All right. Well, that was my own journey with Constitution Dow. Hopefully, we learned something about Web3 and these strange incentive structures. Again, just to reiterate, this is not financial advice. I'm not saying to go ape in on crypto, but I do think that financial outcomes are sort of tied in intrinsically to everything that happens in this world, again, because of the real-time nature of making everything a real-time marketplace. All right. Thanks for going down that rabbit hole with me. I'm Professor Paul Canetti. I will see you next week for more tech news for MBAs.